quiz. Guy basically like Epstein himself. 50 Randy quiz. Dolphin sweaty face. 50 Randy quiz. Paul Walker is a shit actor. We watch movies so you don't have to. Welcome to 50 Randy Quades. I am your host, Chuck Banner. And with me, my co-host as always... JT, Craig T. Nelson's Mustache Money. Uh, it is just Chucky B and myself for this episode as we close out our Chew. our four-pack of Dawson's Creek-inspired movies. And if uh, you didn't know, we just watched The Skulls. Starring Pacey Witter. As Joshua Jackson. A lot of similarities between... Luke McNamara and Pacey Witter in terms of, I feel like, demeanor and outlook on life and treatment by society. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Growing up on the wrong side of the tracks. More so than any of the other characters that the Dawson's Creek stars from the other movies were to their characters. Like, Dawson was not Dawson, Jen was not Jen, and Joey was not Joey in their respective movies. No, not not really. This is like this is like if Pacey graduated high school after Andy helped him become a much better student, and like he worked his way up to the top echelon of Yale's secret societies. It's it's like the uh different life he would have had if he didn't go play with the Ducks. Something like that, yeah, yeah. And uh, just just in case you guys forgot, uh, we watched the skulls. And if you have any questions or comments. Uh, you can go to 50randyquades.com and you can let us know what the fuck is up. And I hope that you would let us know what the fuck is up if you if you felt like you wanted to. We're here for you. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. Because we still love you. That's right. We respect you as our, our dearest listeners. Our, our close... You have the choice to do whatever the fuck you want. And that includes listening to the trailer for The Skulls. Which, Chuck, is that coming up next? Uh, it's coming up right Fucking now. In a place where tomorrow's leaders are groomed. How did Mr. McNamara learn to row? The local sewers, I imagine. He's a townie. He won us the Ivy League championship three years in a row. That's all I know. In an organization. Are you ready to be reborn? Where success is assured. Our membership has its pleasures, its hardships, and sometimes its pain. We live by the rules, we die by the rules. Gentlemen, welcome home. Luke McNamara is about to get an opportunity. A skull above any other. He's only dreamed of. Senator, it's a pleasure to meet you. What do you think of all this? To be honest, it's all a little bit overwhelming. But if a secret society can give you everything you desire... This is your pre-acceptance to the law school of your choice. That's gotta be a mistake. You are a skull. Imagine what they can take away. None of us are safe. What are you going to do? We live by the rules. We die by the rules. I want to know the truth about what happened that night. The surveillance cameras. So there's got to be tapes. Can you get any closer on this? Closer. I know what you did. It's time we remove Mr. McNamara. He's no longer loyal. You keep digging, you're going to dig your own grave. Only an elite few ever get in. I have evidence. They erased the tape. Who? The skulls! They control everything! No one has ever gotten out. They're dead. If it's secret and elite, it can't be good. 
Fucking crazy underground society again. We're back in the ritual room. Snapping necks and fucking taking names. Shooter McGavin. Um, Shooter McGavin the murderer. But, I mean, suppose a murderer. Oh, because no, it was on if you're film. new to the show, if you're new to the show, we're going to talk about everything. Or at least we mean to, obviously. I'm sorry. Uh, we, we normally give a warning. I mean, we had a little spoiler before this but uh we you know we'll still give you a little bit of warning it'll be a three two one and then we'll go that wasn't the countdown this is the countdown three two one so let's pick let's pick up where i left off shooter mcgavin aka the university provost who works apparently as the muscle for the councilman of the skulls murders the roommate will of luke mcnamara who is the soulmate of caleb whoever who is the son of the councilman and apparently luke mcnamara is the son of the guy who is trying to take down the councilman or at least that's the implication. Not the son. No. The senator no, the, is just... The implication, and I read this, I confirmed it after I watched it, there is a definite implication that the senator is that the... the senator is the father? They say in the beginning, I'm going to get, let's spoil this shit right off the bat. This is how the movie ends, right? Joshua Jackson is walking away and he turns down the senator's offer to remain an integral member of the Skulls and help them moving forward. Which, which I personally think was... Uh, terrible choice earlier in the movie they made a comment about how his mom had died in a car crash when he was one and his dad was just no one knew who his dad was right he brings up later in the movie when he's in the true the liar's hell truth cage with caleb his soulmate how his mom died and he doesn't even remember her face but no mention of his father but when he leaves at the end there's that what i thought at first was like a veiled threat to him about what would you do if you refused when i come to you for a favor and i come after your family and then when Joshua Jackson says, I can live with that, and he walks out, he's like, good for you, son. Good for you. My belief is he refused the, the favor. the senator is his dad. The senator refused the favor when he was coming up in the skulls, and his wife, Joshua Jackson's mom, was killed in a car crash. Joshua Jackson was meant to die, too. He didn't, so they just made him disappear into the system and he got adopted by someone and they never told him he was adopted and he grew up on the quote-unquote wrong side of the tracks but he managed to follow his bloodline into the secret society of the skulls because his dad is the senator yeah it's right on the wikipedia page it says it's implied i don't don't look shit up i just watch the movie and i take it for what i see no but i looked it up because i got the feel and i didn't the entire movie until the way he said at the end in conjunction with the threat that he made and the information they gave about... This is not a deep movie. I feel like if they're giving you a piece of information, it means something. So why the fuck are they going to talk about his mom dying when he's a baby and his dad being disappeared? And this guy call him son in a very paternal way at the end. I don't think I I'm reading too much that, into that. But... I don't know. I think it makes it more interesting in a movie that was super not that interesting. Oh, dude, I thought this movie was super interesting. I was, like, super into this movie the entire time I was watching it. I was like... Dude, this is 
fucking great. Let's do the breakdown of all the information about this movie before I start talking about why I didn't feel that way. Oh, you mean why The Skulls was like the best action crime drama you could ever fucking see for a PG-13 movie that had just a little bit of violence and some fucking language and brief sexuality? Wait, there was some sexuality in this movie? Um, When they get down in the steamy bathroom before they enact their plan to steal the footage. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was real fucking brief. It's brief sexuality. That's definitely what it says. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. It's PG-13. If it's any more than that, it's not brief sexuality anymore. And you're probably not PG-13 anymore. I don't know. It was the year 2000. Uh, specifically March 31st. Maybe that's part of my problem with this movie is it would have been better if, even if they kept it PG-13, they just pushed it a little bit further. Not in the sexuality way, just in in every way. Because they give us this secret society and all its history, and the only thing we really talk about is this suicide cover-up that happened right now. But why isn't there more going on when they're digging into it? They find Will's notes, and there's all of this history that they're looking into. It, it would, they just could have made it so much more interesting than they did. But what did it get released well, against? What did it get released against? I don't know if you know this or not, but there are two sequels to this. I'm aware. So it was a trilogy. Oh, no, I'm aware. I read the breakdown for the second one, and it sounds awful. And the third one didn't even have one available on Wikipedia, so I didn't bother looking. I own the trilogy. No, thank you. This was enough. Aaron Brockovich came out number one the same week at $17.8 million in its third week. That's a good movie. Yeah, and the number two movie, I think it might be a cartoon. I'm not 100% sure. It is. It is The Road to El Dorado. It is a cartoon. Uh, debuting at number 16. Three movies, I believe, are in the... In, in the top five are all brand new because the number three movie was this movie, The Skulls, at uh, 13.7 million. That seems impressively high, as we'll see. Well, late- I mean, it's going up against Romeo Must Die at number four in its third week, 11.8. And then High Fidelity at, High Fidelity at 8.5 million and brand new. Just over the overall numbers on this movie are pretty impressive. Honestly, I'm a bit surprised it cost 35 million to make. Although, what do I know about filmmaking? But it made money. Yeah, you know, it was just a little over 35 million here in the states, and then um, 15.7 million, almost 15.8 million for a grand total of 50.8 million dollars in profit, or and then you know that's profiting 15 million plus right there. That's just off the name of fucking Pacey Wooder. So if I remember correctly, I don't know, Paul Walker might have been something. Almost. (laughs) I I mean, yeah, there's a lot bigger names in this movie than Joshua Jackson, but he was a pretty decent size name at this time he had mighty ducks fame and then he's doing dawson's creek he's definitely the one they're selling this movie on the back of he's the star of this movie leslie bibb was definitely still coming up as as someone uh, as a name uh i don't think she ever got any more famous than joshua jackson did after this they probably acquired a similar level of fame after this point but craig t nelson was definitely a guy who was well years past his coach years i was gonna say it wasn't that coach definitely coach um chris chris mcdonald uh he's a like a, a 
a character Shoot. actor. He's a character actor in so many things. You're not selling a movie on his back. And yes, his body of work is better and funnier and more impressive than Joshua Jackson's. But again, this is Joshua Jackson's the star. That's what they're trying to establish. I feel like all four of yeah. the movies we've watched here were the movies that were like, okay, we're trying to make a name off of these four kids who are making a name on Dawson's Creek. It was these. Well, except for the Halloween movie. It was these, and including some other ones. I don't know. Had Michelle Williams really been in a bigger, more high-profile movie than that? And that came out after Dawson's Creek. Yeah, I don't really know. I didn't really look at her body of work. I knew that I had that movie, and I wanted to see it, and she was in it. So I was like, yeah, let's do this. No, I don't remember the numbers for that movie, but I remember specifically for Varsity Blues and for Disturbing Behavior. Both of them made money... Made their money back, like, evenly in the States, but didn't do shit overseas. I'd imagine Halloween did pretty well across the board, just because it's Halloween. I can't remember, but that's probably right. This one did the same as the first two, made its money back exactly in the States, but it had a foreign market that the other two apparently didn't have. And I don't know why that kind of surprises me a little bit. That's where it made its profit at, was overseas. Secret societies, man. I mean... I guess, yeah. It's got that niche market which isn't necessarily niche especially considering today and the way everything has gone and things are unfolding i mean like this guy basically like epstein himself in the movie and like you know i'm not saying the subject matter isn't relevant or topical or anything that's what i think was kind of more interesting but in 2000 this is pre 9-11 when that conspiracy shit kicked off on a much wide well both 9-11 and the internet's rise in popularity and easier access once it gets to your phone a few years later that's when conspiracy theory became a common thing before then it was i think less all right, I knew that less people were into conspiracy theories. Let's put it that way. It was a lot harder to get your hands on that conspiracy theory information than it is now. And to spread that information well, YouTube. than it is now. Sure, all of that. All the social media shit. I include that in there for sure. This is a different time from then. But you're right. I think there still always has been that appeal to the secret society of the elite um, class of, of yeah, any society. I mean, even, even just as a tale of the boogeyman, it's it's interesting. And that, I guess, again, one of my big... Like, they, had, they had such interesting material to work with, and it just felt like they didn't... They left it all on the surface. They didn't even try to do anything more than make a popcorn flick for high school kids. Because this could have had an appeal to both adults and kids if done correctly. If you have the right cast and the right script. Well, I mean, I'm an adult, and I liked it, so... I didn't see this as a kid, so I've got no nostalgia for it. I'm just saying, like... I did see it. I did see it when I was younger. This is the first time I've, I've seen it. I've had this movie for a long time. It just left me wanting more. There wasn't a whole lot of depth to what they brought, and I even just a little bit, even just a little bit of depth, they, that would have made me happier, but it, so it felt empty for me in the end. And I can, so I'm going to thank movie, writer John Pogue for that. And uh, how did you like the direction that, that Rob Cohen brought down to the table? Do you know what else he's directed? I have no idea. He is the director of the first Fast and Furious movie. Correct? 100%. Oh, that's hilarious because uh, episode 112 is going to be the fifth installment of the fast and the furious franchise on 50 randy quaid's when we watch fast and furious one so more director rob cohen and more paul walker who also makes an appearance in this movie yeah this is basically hashtag walker month he also was a director month but like just he also directed triple x 
Oh, really? Yep. Hmm. So it wasn't that great. Never seen it. Not interested. Vin Diesel. I don't like Vin Diesel, so. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Vin Diesel he, he, either. Here's a problem for me as far as Fast and Furious, not to get ahead Fuse of ourselves. Face. I don't really like Paul Walker either. I didn't write down a whole lot of notes for this movie, but one I wrote down was Paul Walker is a shit actor. I wrote down a lot of notes for this movie. I wrote down way less than usual because it was just fine, but goddammit, Paul Walker is not a good actor at all. Well, there was no hologram face, so that's a plus. He's still alive in 2000. No need for the hologram. So what I'm talking about. We traveled back in time tonight, baby. Um, we've already brought up a lot of the cast. Uh, we didn't bring up Will's name, but Hill Harper plays Will Beckford, the coxswain of the crew team. A little nod to uh, hashtag Cage Talk, Boy in Blue, Rowan and Rowan. One of the worst Nicolas Cage movies I've ever seen. And it's super long. I'm going to give the skulls this much credit. It's better than The Boy in Blue. It is a lot better than The Boy in Blue. And Boy shorter. Boy in Blue was like the bottom of the rating scale, and The Skulls is closer to the top. I'm pretty sure I gave Boy in Blue the same score I gave Halloween Age 2 and that's a fat two. I think you gave the other one. I think you gave Boy in Blue one and a half. No, I think that was... Um, Fats McGee or something? Yeah, what was BK going under at that point? I don't fucking know. Something about a hairbrush. <laughs> Dolphin sweaty face. Dolphin skin suit. Uh, then there was uh, Steve Harris who played Detective Sparrow. Yeah, we already covered Craig T. Nelson playing Litney. Or Litton. Lit- is that Litton? Litton Mandrake. That is, I don't know. Litton. What's, what sort of name is Litton? Obviously, the implication is it's a rich person's name, but even in what that context. Litton Mandrake. I've never heard of rich as fuck. Never heard the name Litton in my whole life. This is the first time. Yeah. I've seen this movie multiple times, and I've never heard the name Litton. Well, you've heard it. You just <laughs> didn't register it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. So you ready for this uh, basic breakdown for the movie The Skulls? If we haven't already broken it down enough, I'd like to introduce Russell Problems to break it down even better for you. Well, there's a senior in Oliver Lee College, and he depends on scholarships and working on the side. He gets accepted in this secret society called the Skulls. He hopes it betters his chances at Harvard, but the Skulls is not what he thought, and it comes at a price. For who is supposed to be and generally is a smart person in this movie, the fact that he didn't register that being a part of the Skulls was going to be full of bullshit that was bad, especially when his best friend was telling him if it's secret and it's elite, then it's bad. And he quotes him at the end after he learns his lesson and his friend is fucking dead, that it's bad. Like, he knew that. He knew that. All right. So here's where I bring a little bit of the the other side of the table. Please. Before... Pacey got his hands on the video footage and you're just taking Paul at his word that what he told you is the truth. Then there's nothing you can do. Will is already dead, right? You've already like you knew that something like this in the in the bottom of your heart, in the back of your mind, you knew that something like this was at least a possibility when you're joining a fraction or where you're joining a faction known as the skulls. What was the possibility? That something so devious and dastardly and deadly 
could potentially happen to your best friend but, to your best friend but it opens up all the doors and windows to everything and it's a movie so i mean all right here's my problem with this movie and why i couldn't go along for the ride because it was too fucking obvious exactly what was going to happen from the start there was no the second that Pacey hears about what happens to Will, he's suspicious of it. Because we're supposed to be suspicious of it. But I knew from the outset, this was a story about whether or not Paul Walker was going to be a good guy. And that for this movie to be halfway satisfying, he was going to have to be a good guy. So I knew that's how this arc played out. There was a part of me that was hoping that his girlfriend, because of her rich connection, would somehow turn heel on him. But she didn't, and that's fine. I don't have a problem. I think she worked out really well as a character. But that would have been the kind of twist that would have made me go, oh shit. But instead it gave me the obvious Paul Walker turns on daddy, shoots him with a gun in a duel, which I didn't see coming. I'll give him credit for that. But it just felt telegraphed from the outset, so I couldn't invest in it. I can't argue with any of what you just said, but I think it was, I think it was fantastic. And maybe it was just because it was something that it was so straightforward and you could just sit there and like, like you were saying, like you could just eat popcorn and watch it. Cause I literally just ate a bag of chips and watched this movie. I liked a lot of the performances for the type of movie they were bringing to me outside of Paul Walker just being a shit actor across the board. But he worked for this role like he usually does because they cast him in the role of someone who would kind of be stupid because he comes across as yeah, kind of stupid. He's not a good actor at all. I don't know if Paul Walker's stupid. I'm assuming he wasn't when he was alive a stupid person. But the way he portrays himself as an actor, it makes sense why he's cast as someone who's kind of a dummy because he was not they didn't show him like he wasn't supposed to be stupid here but he was clearly a child of privilege who he said himself never had to take responsibility for anything he did so he didn't have to i guarantee he didn't have to do any school work his entire life because he was just paid all the way through covered didn't have to put any effort into shit because it would just get handled for him maybe he's smart but i think the idea is he's not as smart as luke mcnamara from the wrong side of the track with the really smart techie friends who live in a fucking old warehouse and have all this cool SWAT equipment to come down from the top of a building and attack murderer Shooter McGavin. That seemed a little... I I loved that action sequence, but it was so ridiculous. I love how Shooter McGavin is running around this whole fucking campus and and town chasing motherfuckers down in a jeep and shit when he's like some like public face of this fucking like school and if he gets caught doing any of this i feel like, like they don't even introduce he's totally him. exposed i don't think they even really introduce him or didn't feel like it till like halfway into the movie then all of a sudden it's like oh wait hold on he's like the muscle for the councilman now he's gonna be everywhere and by the way he murdered will Big time. <laughs> and, and I can keep on expecting him to be like, shoot uh. Put on his gold jacket. <laughs> Challenge motherfuckers to fucking golf and shit. So in the beginning of the movie, when, it, when, they, show, when they show Pacey on his bike and he's leaving his job serving food to the rich kids in the school and all this shit or whatever and he grabs the door of his friend's car and they're talking i'm like are they gonna goonies him right now like is there resentment and they're gonna hold on to him and like drive him off a cliff 
And then it doesn't happen. I'm like, all right, that's probably for the best. Yeah, you can't kill fucking Pacey right off the bat. No, they didn't kill the kid in the goodies either. He just went for a wild ride. Uh, So one of the first things I wrote down here was after they, like, I did write down the the scene that you were just explaining. I felt like that was only there to, well, initially introduce those characters and then also give a glimpse into the life that young Pacey is, is coming from. Oh, dude, they had to come back. They gave them way too much screen time for them to not come back. I didn't think they were to come back as a super group to help them beat up the bad guys, but I figured they were going to come back somehow. Uh, but then, like, the next thing that I wrote down was uh, when they're walking by that skull house and Will's, like, yelling at it, and <laughs> then I'm like... I'm, pretty, I'm sure, like, pretty sure he's wearing, like, a fisherman's hat, like a bucket cap, but unironically, like, talk to the hand from Henry, because this is the late 90s, and that was the fashion at the time. <laughs> there's a big skull on top of this building, and I was like, I thought they were supposed to be different than, like, fraternities, and... It's one of the other not- few things that I wrote down here. The big skull on top of their castle... I thought they're a secret society. They don't try very hard to be secret. All yeah. of, all of their pledges get these fancy ass sports cars or classic muscle cars, like eight to ten of them. There's a whole bunch. All of a sudden, these kids just have these amazing cars. Everyone knows Luke doesn't have any money, but now he's got a '63 fucking Thunderbird in mint condition. Come on, and he's got twenty thousand in his bank G's account. In his fucking bank account, right? Like, come on, they're not very good at being secret about anything. And to something you already brought up, Shooter McGavin just running around town, <laughs> chasing people in a cart. Like, none of it is secret. Not even a little bit. They don't even try. How easy. And and it's and it's not like everyone is a fucking member, right? Because during the initiation, they say there's like, hey, like you guys are like one of like three hundred and twenty some alumni uh, across the world. And yeah, that's that's across the world. Not in this town. Because, like, how many are in that town right now? How many members are in that town right now? From that room that people were standing in, two dozen that we saw, maybe, overall, maybe more. Um, Plus the people that they're connected to, that they've got in their pocket. And it's not about the numbers when it comes to this group. That's the point. It's the power they have. Because just in the two, the three members, we really get to know by name that are of higher seniority. One of them's a federal judge, one of them's a senator, and one of them's a doctor of high renown. These are important and powerful people. They get yeah. they get Pacey into the law school of his choosing, and he hasn't even applied for it yet, and it's paid for. Like, these motherfuckers can pull any strings. That's the allure of it. Like, I get that, but they don't even try to be secret. They do have a private island. That's where they throw that big party at. Okay, then do Yeah, they got Skull Island. Do everything on Skull Island. Look out for King Kong, but just keep it on Skull Island. Well, and then the, the, I like how they did kind of... Uh, they at least tried... <laughs> to offer an explanation on how all of this is funded and they're like hey every member has to donate uh you know a certain percentage of their their estate when they die their estate when they die honestly i wasn't even looking for an explanation because i understand i don't need to money these are powerful people the money comes but i thought that was a really good explanation of why that was one of the smoother things this movie pulled off was explaining very quickly that's how we can pay for all of this because we're wealthy we're connected and motherfuckers leave us money i did what i liked about this movie is it is it set itself up 
for the eventual sequels down the line by not going super deep into something if this movie had become a really big success. And, I mean... It made profit, so it obviously ended up getting sequels. You know, two of them Both were of sequels. Them? Both of them were secondary, hey, and like the third one was straight to fucking. Both of them were direct to video. Neither of them got a theatrical release. All right, so both of them three or er, were straight to video, but hold on, theatrical. But you can go. They referenced many times, and it's obvious with the Secret Society, the historical nature of their group that it went back to the late. 1700s the the beginnings of american society at a prestigious university you can delve into the history and show me a little bit more of that amateur detective work that they just could have added a much deeper element and more intrigue to this had they given it any thought of them looking deeper into the history and the connections in the past of Lytton more and what he had done but they barely they just i don't know maybe that's just to my taste in the fact that they could have spent very little effort making it more interesting, and they decided not to. Because there's so much, in, so many interesting connections and shit you can delve into when you give it that kind of history. You can make it so much more well, intriguing. They did kind of because but not really. they they showed you the beef between the senator and uh, Mandrake, and that was an ongoing struggle throughout the entire movie that ends up with Mandrake going down. That was still recent history, though. I'm talking about, like, they're stumbling well, yeah, across I mean, shit that goes way It's a movie back. that's based on Pacey. Like, it's not going to be a movie that's going to go back and, and... It doesn't have to explore it too deeply, but it can at least give me more... I, I don't know. I just think it could have been well, smarter that's why than I it, think was. it was. That's why I think it was... In my opinion, an idea and it has enough information and background and history and stuff like that to offer itself for additional movies in the franchise. I'll guarantee you, based on what I read, those other movies don't go into that history anymore. The next movie's history that it references is this movie. The storyline it is based on is what happens in this movie being the thing that the new recruit finds out about. So they don't even go further back than this movie. So... Yeah, I'm not saying that they hit home runs with what they had, but at least going forward, I thought this movie was great because it 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 it, it laid the foundation for the potential of a franchise. I don't want to. I don't want a fucking foundation for a potential of a franchise. I don't want tentpole bullshit. I don't want what superhero movies started doing seven or eight years after this. I want a movie that can fucking stand on its own. And if it's good enough to do so, you can turn into something bigger. This was not meant. I also think this movie was good enough to stand on its own. They didn't make this movie to build a franchise. I'll guarantee you that. So that wasn't the motivation. They ended up trying to anyway. That's fine. But I disagree with you. I don't think it did stand up on its own in a way that would make me look at it and go, I need to see that again. Well, I think you're a menace to society. They left a lot of shit on the table, including putting Drink Me next to a bottle and not even making an Alice in Wonderland reference. I'm sorry, if you're going to put Drink Me next to the bottle, then Pacey should make some sort of crack about Alice in Wonderland. But this movie had no sense of humor, and not that it needed to be funny, but people still have a sense of humor in crazy ass situations but there wasn't even like so no one had a sense of humor it didn't feel like these weren't funny people you don't have to be funny to have a sense of humor those are different things this guy this guy pacey this is what he had been waiting for he had turned down every other secret society 
because he wanted to be a skull or he didn't want to be in a society. It was skulls or nothing. And that's what he had been saying that whole beginning part of the movie. And then he finally gets it. And yeah, one of the worst case scenario things happen, but then he breaks. All I'm saying is for a guy as smart as he's supposed to be, he should have known what this was going to be and not wanted to be in it anyway. He should have already... I agree. He, he should have made the decision that he eventually made prior to joining. The premise of him wanting to actually be in it makes so little sense to me because he should have known that this is what it was. He shouldn't have been the sort of person who needed to see it firsthand to learn that lesson. But they make us no, go... fast track. They make us go down that fucking road anyway and it just doesn't make... And here's another thing. They brand them. They brand them on, like, the second night. They do their initiation task of stealing the weather vane, and then the next thing you know, they're putting a brand on their wrist they can hide under a watch. Why are you branding them so early? What's going on here? They're not even done with their full initiation process. I don't get it. I feel like they're pretty much going, like, in normal circumstances, they would have, it like, it would have been... Uh, a simple initiation going forward the hardest thing was was the the mission that they had to do but then you know uh dummy paul loses his book and fucking no. accidentally murders a kid no he doesn't lose his book will breaks into his fancy new car and steals the book and the key from him yeah because he left it in his car if the car right. he was supposed to Treat this thing like his life. Okay. As per the rules of the skulls. I'll concede. The fucking yes. outside world is beneath our fucking rules. You have to hold yourself to a higher standard now, fucking Paul. But he, as always, just doesn't care because he's never had to care because everything just got taken care of. And even in this situation when Daddy couldn't take care of it because of the rules, he still tried to. He Shooter to take care of it. No, I'm talking when we get down to the duel. He's like, I want to take my son's place. And Pacey's like, uh-uh, rule 119B, bitch. Councilman can't step in on behalf of their kinsfolk. Suck this D. But Pacey just drops his gun in the duel because he knows Caleb ain't a murderer. He's seen the tape. He knows Shooter did it. And Paul doesn't shoot and, him. But he shoots his and dad. Yeah, and so then, yeah, then fucking Daddy Dearest is about to shoot Pacey. And fucking good guy Paul's like, no. Blam. Yeah, but then he gets the good idea to grab another to gun and try and shoot himself in the head. So we're looking at our, well, what would have been our second suicide had the first one been a suicide, but it was actually a murder. Well, and that's why you're saying, like, this movie, it, it knew its audience. I'm not saying and it And that's did. why I it's hitted Casey versus, versus Paul, because it's rich versus poor. And they were supposed to be but like, they kind of new against, best friends. They weren't pitted against each other. It was very obvious from the beginning that his dad was the bad guy and Caleb was going to be a good guy too. Yeah, that was I never know, in question. There was no drama there because it was never in question. And if that was the intent is for me to know from the beginning that Paul was a good guy, then I'm not the audience. Obviously, I was not the audience for this. Here's another reason why I know I wasn't the audience. And then I'm done with what I wrote down. This is my last note. So for what is the second movie in a row, Creed makes an appearance. This time, it's them playing the song, Can You Take Me Higher? As what is apparently a gaggle of escorts 
come into the room and Paul Walker leaves with two of them. I see at least one other one making out with one on the floor. So apparently the skulls just paid for all these college kids to get laid tonight. And Creed. I definitely wrote that down that there are definite sex workers at this party. Oh, and they queued it up right too because when Paul Walker's walking out of the room with the two escorts, he the the, the lyrics to the song and I don't know them off the top of my head, but they re- make reference to escaping with me or something like that as they walk out of the room. So someone sat down, listened to this song, thought about this scene and said, that is perfect. I can't believe it. And I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be like a spiritual song. Like I think Creed was like a religious band, kind of like POD was. So I don't think it was supposed to be about sex working. It was supposed to be about Jesus, like being taken higher to Jesus, not on the the sexual. Not, Not being taken out to bang. And beyond that, fuck Creed just being in this movie at all, but especially two movies in a row. Too many connections between all these movies that are totally coincidental, and most of them bother me, including and especially Creed. That's that's it's not as bad as Josh Hartnett's haircut in H2O, but it's bad. So, okay, so I think we already kind of touched upon um Will dies, right? In this freak accident, he falls, breaks his neck. Well, it's after he steals from Paul that he yeah, goes to well, the ritual yeah, yeah. room. Paul and him get into a kind of a scuffle in and... the in the ritual room because Will is an investigative journalist for the newspaper and he's trying to dig up the dirt on the skulls. And so, like, Paul's chasing him up the stairs, and they're crawling, they're crawling, and he falls off the ledge, snaps his neck. You know, Paul's freaking out, and he ends up calling his dad, and he tells his dad, just like, all right, you need to get the fuck out of there, I'll cover this up. I'm sending Shooter, baby! He's all like, yeah, he's just fresh off his match with Happy. And so, Pacey finds out about all this, and this is where I'm kind of like, all right, what if you just go let's make the best of a bad situation make sure his family is gonna get you know some money and then like let me go to this fucking law school free of charge and get fat paid and because like at the, Cause like when they get to Skull Island later, they're gonna get a hundred thousand dollars because he's because he's the hero of a PG thirteen movie, and that character doesn't turn their back on the murder of their best friend for selfish personal gain. That's well, why. I mean, that's the audience him, that this is written for. Later, this is not that kind of movie. Think about the audience it was written for, Chuck. I know, but you got you can ride the gray line like you're saying. Like this is what I'm just saying. It could have right. been slightly it better. It could have been a way but, better movie had they done anything more interesting with it. You're right. So, but he decides to not do that. He decides to go after the killer, and that's what get it, gets us to where we got there. But we're missing this big thing in the middle where he gets chased down and then gets uh like he gives Detective Sparrow that fucking tape. Yeah, after the after the SWAT team shows up on his side and they steal it. And um they fucking go down like he goes down to a fucking mental hospital and he's there for like months and then Chloe finally gets there and like busts him out with the help of the senator. Well, because the senator's clearly been trying to make a power play on Lytton the entire movie. Yeah, it's been this background story and that's, where that's I been think happening, like I was saying. That's where 
to me, the only depth of history is introduced to us is the implication is Lytton is the one who was involved in having the senator's young wife and child assassinated, although the child wasn't assassinated because it turns out to be Luke. And that's where that beef is, but they don't make that explicit. They kind of just like give you that question mark at the end of the movie. Again, that's how I read it, at least. And that was the only intriguing thing to me, is, okay, maybe the sequel kind of delves more into that. But then I looked and saw Joshua Jackson wasn't even in it, and I'm like, okay, so it doesn't matter at all. They're not following up on that. And it's not even someone else playing this role. It's an entirely new character named Ryan, not Luke. Oh, okay. I always just thought maybe it would be Pacey Jr. It's it's not. That's what I was thinking. Maybe they just have someone else take over the role, but it's not. So they don't even, like, build upon the little cliffhanger they give you at the end of this movie that is the closest thing that's hinting towards having a sequel that this movie gives you, honestly. I know the third one's about a woman trying to get into the skulls. That makes sense. It's like Karate Kid 3 and Home Alone 4? When did they introduce the girl? I don't know. I don't remember. Um. Oh, yeah, so... So, um, fucking Pacey gets out of the mental hospital and, but he is medicated the fuck up and then shooters fucking chasing him. Like he's doing everything in this movie, chasing down fucking Pacey, chasing down Chloe, chasing down anybody that needs to be chased down, fucking handling, taking care of business. And he fucking pulls out a gun. He's ready to fucking kill him. And then that's when, bam, 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 the sparrow fucking shoots in some shit and kills him. And he's all like, you dead, shooter. You dead. You didn't sign my fucking autograph, man. He shoots him five times at the back, and then he falls off a bridge. So shooter's pretty good and dead. But he deserved yeah. it. He deserved it. Shooter was the real bad guy. And then we get to the duel on Skull Island. You know, that's when Litton's all like, he will worth the effort. And then good old Paul tries to kill himself. Pacey won't have none of it. And then there's that big thing that you were talking about, which actually I was kind of like, I waved that off because I was like, oh, it's just Pacey taking his out, going to live his life with his new potential wife. This movie doesn't give you stuff to just wave off. They give you everything because it means something and it's pretty obvious what it means. And that's why I was just kind of like, they didn't make this super obvious. Does that mean it is as obvious as it feels like it might be? Like I, I don't know. That's where it kind of made me question it. But I'm pretty sure the idea is that Luke is the senator's son. And the senator's just going to leave it a secret. And since he's in charge of the skulls now, he's not going to send the skulls after Pace. And he's not going to come ask for a favor. And he's just going to wipe his fucking record clean from the society. And just every so often drop 100 Gs in there. For sure, I'll guarantee you there'll be some fucking I'm looking out for you kids sort of shit. He's highly connected. He's the man. He's the senator. He'll probably become fucking president someday. So in my extension of this movie past, Pacey and Chloe go and have themselves a good-ass life. That the senator he, still, he still has that letter that's the, pre, the pre-acceptance to any law school he wants, free of charge. He just holds... I, no, I guarantee you he got into law school on his own merit. He went and he paid those bills. He did it the way that he thought he was going to have to. Well, he paid those bills with money that was put into his account from... All right, sure, you know, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, right. So that got paid off by daddy anyway, but that's great. Why wouldn't it be? But he went and had the life. I feel like the senator is like, I'm going to 
let you have the life that I wish I would have had if I wouldn't have gotten mixed up with this shit and lit and had. Well, you still got that sweet skull fucking branding. Oh, or that watch. I I think I read at the end of the next one, someone gets it like cut off of their wrist, and I'm like, oh, that's mm. something they should have put into this one. But this had like zero gore. This was not that kind of a movie. It wasn't a horror movie. It was just like a thriller, like a mystery, yeah. a mystery thriller is what it was going for. In yeah, my crime opinion. drama family movie. There wasn't enough crime in this movie for me to picture action, it as a crime action, movie. crime drama. There wasn't enough action in this for me either to consider it an action movie. It, it was kind of more of a thriller. It felt. I, and I think that's a pretty apt description of what they were definitely going for here. It was a, a mystery that wasn't mysterious, but I think it was supposed to be. But definitely... Yeah, it was thrilling. Definitely a thriller. It was supposed to keep you on the Nothing edge of Nothing really, was really myst- mysterious about it, but the whole movie was thrilling. That's all I got to say about The Skulls. Would you agree with The, the Skulls as a thrilling movie? I think it's trying... Riveting. I think it's trying to be a thrilling movie, yes. Now it's going to be that time of the podcast where we're gonna get to rating the skulls on a rating scale of one to 50 randy quades where one is the lowest and 50 is the greatest imdb gives the skulls 28 randy quades jt would you care to do the honors on uh, what you would like to rate the skulls on a scale of one to 50 randy quades I spent a good portion or all of this episode talking about talking about what I didn't like about this movie, how much I thought they could have done to make it more interesting, how it could have been better, and I stand by every single bit of that. But despite all of that shit that I said and complained about, with the cast of this movie, with the fact that just because they didn't execute it correctly doesn't mean that it still wasn't fun and that's ultimately what it comes down to i still despite all the flaws had a fun time watching this movie i think it could have been tighter i think you could have cut this down to an hour 30 hour and 35 and it would have been more enjoyable to me trim a little bit of the fat make it a little sleeker make it run and i would have been fucking on board but again even with a little bit long run time i still had fun with it Despite the flaws, because I accepted early on this is not going to be something I have to expect a lot of high quality out of. This is not that kind of movie. So when I did that, and I sat back and laughed at Paul Walker a whole bunch, and looked at Joshua Jackson being Pacey Wetter, enjoying Leslie Bibb, and enjoying Craig T. Nelson's mustache immensely, when I first saw him, I thought it was just the shadow of the room, and he didn't really have a mustache, because I'm used to the coach, he doesn't have a mustache, but when they fucking, like, got in on him, and I saw he had a real, it was like a pencil-thin mustache, but it was a pencil-thick mustache, like, top of the lip only, like, he still trimmed the top of it, like, I, I really enjoyed the mustache, you could tell this was a late 90s, early 2000s movie, but it didn't beat you over the head the same way that Disturbing Behavior and in, in, in Varsity Blues did, where you watch it and go, this couldn't be anything but the late 90s. This, outside of like one shot of Carpenter Pants, could have been some other point in time. And with all of that said, and all my complaints and some of my praise, I'm going to bring this in less than IMDb, but for me, I still think a solid score here. A 21. It makes it the second highest rated movie I put of the Dawson's Creek 4-pack here, behind Varsity Blues, which I will stand by, of these four, was to me the best. Would you recommend that people watch The Skulls? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 
Would you recommend that people watch The Skulls? Maybe if you're trying to introduce your child to mystery thrillers and you want something kind of friend, family friendly, because there isn't like a cursing or violence or gore or anything over the top. Well, I mean, here. someone does get murdered. But you don't see them. Yes, you do. They snap his fucking neck. <laughs> yeah, they snap his neck on screen. It's grainy security footage. You hear the sound. But again, this is pretty innocuous. You show it to your 13 year old kid. I would show my 13 year old worse than this, realistically, if I had my say, at least. But, um,. I guess check it out if you want to, but I'm not saying you're going to like it. I won't watch it again. Will you watch The Skulls 2 or 3? Not a chance in hell. I don't need to know what happens after this because I barely cared about what happened here, especially if what happens next doesn't follow up on this. Excuse my belch. Fuck it. I'm out. What about you, Chuck? What do you think about this movie? Um. So this is uh one of those classic movies that, like... I know isn't going to be like quote unquote good, but for what it was, it was fantastic. I'll be real with you. The 28 IMDb kind of surprised me because we've watched movies that were better than this that had lower IMDb scores. Not that I put a whole lot of stock in that, but it's just an interesting gauge to look at. But I know we've watched cage movies that I thought were better that this outscored. This has 9% on Rotten Tomatoes, which feels more... I feel like that's a little harsh, but more indicative than a 28. Sorry to cut you off. I'm going to give this a 44. Damn, Chuck! Well, that's Chucky was B for big numbers! It was... It was everything like I hoped it could be for the cast that I was given. And The cast the, was good. One last question. I'll stop interrupting you. Did you have a preconceived notion in your head before you watched this of what you thought you were going to rate it? Like, did you have a previous rating in your head already? I'll sit back and, no, and take no. your answer. I, I haven't seen this movie in quite some time, like at least a couple of years. I I own the trilogy. and Is it a, a three-pack? Yes. Oh, cool. It, the, it, the Skulls are, is its own disc, and then Skulls 2 and 3 are on another disc. That sounds right. And... Uh, I, I think I got it for a steal, like $5 or something like that. DVD? Blu-ray? Yeah, DVD. Oh, even better. That's a classic piece of, like... It, it's... That's like a, a a Walmart or Best Buy $5 buy, or maybe less. Oh, yeah, classic. So, I had seen it plenty of times, and but I hadn't remember Like, I remember liking it, but also remembering, like, yeah, this isn't a good movie. Like, it, it's not going to win any awards, it, People aren't talking about it, but it's a fun movie to watch. I think people may have been talking about it. It made money. Like, I can't take that away from it. It made money. Just like almost every other, no, I'd say every other movie in this rotation. I remember seeing commercials for it on MTV. Yeah, I, I just think this was such a really fun movie, and it delivered on everything that I thought it would deliver on. Because out, I, I wasn't expecting more than Pacey versus Paul. And considering that now watching it, I saw more than I remember seeing before. Of Pacey versus Paul? No, just like the other background things, like, you know, with Lytton versus uh, the Senator. And then the, the, the cool thing that you brought up with uh, the Senator being Pacey's daddy. 
That that's a big part of why I even ended up bumping it up into the twenties is that it ending kind of made me go. If you would have explored even that a little bit more throughout the movie, it might have intrigued me a bit. But to just toss it in at the end as a possible red herring, it was like almost like fuck you. But it still piqued my interest. Well, I thought it was also cool too that uh, you know Pacey's like good friends with this girl that he really likes, and Will's been telling him to like to tell her how he feels, and he's all like, "Hey, man, she's rich, and I'm poor as fuck. Like, it's just not gonna work." And then she confesses to him later that she loves him, so. It's just kind of like a win-win scenario for that. And I was like, oh, that's nice. At least at least, if anything else fails, like he's got that in his back pocket for this movie to have at least a semi-happy ending. And you know how I love the fucking happy ending, the resolution, the ending, because it's a movie that is ending. That love confession and then love making implication afterwards is right before she becomes the getaway driver for the SWAT team. So she ends up playing a pretty pivotal role. I thought she was a good character and I'll agree with you. I thought that it was a nice little love story that they put in there. Um, I feel like they didn't rely on it too heavily, which is good because it ultimately it was important. Didn't really matter. Well, her, her loyalty to him and his loyalty to her does play a role in her helping him conceive of and carry out the plan. But you're in the grand scheme of things, it's not a super important storyline. So I think it gets the right amount of attention. And I really like Leslie Bibb. So I thought it was... And I can't think of a whole lot of things I've seen her in outside of a movie I watched earlier today that she was in. Uh, which is weird and random how that worked out. But again, this cast, I I agree with you on that in two points. The cast is really good, and it was fun. It was fun. And it's not that I expected more. I just wanted more as I watched it. But 21, I think... Yeah, that's understandable. I think 21 is fair for all the fucking bitching I did. I bitched harder about movies I rated lower. No, I'm just saying I really enjoyed this. So, I mean, that's, that's my justification for that. I would definitely recommend that people watch The Skulls with... I would just, uh, you know, put out there and be like, hey, if you're looking for uh, a fun movie about secret societies with uh, like a young Joshua Jackson and a pre-death Paul Walker. I think every movie except for one he's in is pre-death Paul Walker. And even that one features some pre-death Paul Walker. And the rest of it is his brother's. Yeah, but I'm just saying, you know. I'm just saying, most movies you watch are pre-death Paul Walker. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> caveat. And uh, with that, you can catch all of our new episodes on Apple Podcasts and 50randyquades.com. Um, you can also go to uh, 50randyquades on Twitter and uh, follow, follow us on Facebook. Is that a thing? Follow us everywhere, all the time, and never stop following. Yeah, you can follow us on OnlyFans. Send Is that a thing. Send Chuck. I don't. Ha- I have not. I'm not comfortable enough in my own skin to have an OnlyFans that would be <laughs> that would be 
um, profitable to all parties involved. So unless you're putting your tank tops on, then taking them off on OnlyFans, I'm not sure what to tell you. No, I'll just put on more tank tops. Oh my god, a fucking stack of tank tops. By the end of it, Chucky B is wearing 75 tank tops. 35 of those are basketball jerseys. 25 of them are cut sleeves, but we're going to count them anyway. Next time on... 50 Rennie Quades. Episode 112. The Fast and the Furious. This is the first one. This is the fifth installment. Of the Fast and the Furious. This will be... That includes Shaw and Hobbs, correct? Or Hobbs and Shaw, yes, whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Correct, correct. That's, I think, the only installment of the Fast and Furious I've been on. Is, is that one. I'm... As far as what I have said and what I think in my head based on the last time I saw The Fast and the Furious, I'm not a huge Fast and the Furious fan. But I haven't seen it since it came out. So honestly, I'm going to have to keep an open mind and maybe I'll enjoy it more than I think I will. Big problem going into it. I do not like Vin Diesel. I do not like Paul Walker. I do like Paige... Page, no, Brewster... Both of the women who play, like, the leads in the movie, I really like. So I'm going in, looking at, like, half the cast and going, ugh, and looking at the other half going, okay, this could be fine. I like cars and car chases. Just know, just know, listening audience, JT Money is really torn about this experience before I'm even going into it, and that might not be the right mindset to be in. So, uh, if you've been listening since the beginning, thank you. You already know how I feel about Fast and the Furious. I make fun of them constantly and call them awful movies and then consistently rate them high when we watch them for 50 Randy Quaid's because they're fun movies to watch. And for the most part, all the ones I've seen have starred The Rock. I'd have to look back. I'm pretty sure I gave Hobbs and Shaw a pretty good rating. I don't know for sure. Because they do. They deliver on that fucking action. And I know that for a fact. I used to not like action movies. Which is probably why I didn't really like it the last time that I saw it. I've come to love them since. So I'm expecting to like this more than I'm comfortable with. But this is the first one. And the first one, from what I understand, is a car movie. And not tons of action but it is still a car movie you get car chases i know there are a lot of car stunts it's maybe more realistic than the ones that follow and i'm cool with that i've got no problem with that i'm still on board for great car stunts even if they're more realistic until next time we watch movies so you don't have to peace Peace out. out